630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Tuesday night. 6.30, Chet Inside Sports on the air. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins, who is uh, away tonight, tomorrow. He is back on Thursday. It's been a uh, great pleasure being in the big chair once again, filling in for Reed. Oilers on their bye week. They are back, I believe, Friday. They'll play their first game on Saturday on the road against the Philadelphia Flyers. You can catch that game, of course, right here on 6.30, Chet. 9.30 is the face-off show. 11 o'clock in the morning is the drop of the puck in Philadelphia. Start of a two-game road trip, uh, back-to-back games as well, as the team will be in Montreal to play the Canadians the next day on Sunday. It's a noon puck drop in Montreal. 10.30 is the face-off show on 6.30, Chad. Coming up uh, later on tonight, uh, we talk a lot of hockey, of course. The Oilers continuing on with their bye week and you know a little more scuttlebutt about who the new GM could be or who the Oilers are targeting. You got the Oil Kings uh, back in action tonight. You got uh, a former Edmonton or WHL-based Edmonton team that's on the move to Winnipeg, Kootenai Ice moving to uh, Winnipeg. And... Uh, that's going to be interesting. We'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour with Kelly Moore. Um, we're going to talk with uh, Rebecca Johnson. Can't wait for this. Uh, Canadian women's national team forward and was able to participate in the uh, skills competition last Friday in San Jose. And what a performance those four put on. Kendall Coyne especially with her performance in the fastest skater. So we'll, we'll just talk about how, how this raises the profile of women's hockey because if it was a disaster then I think women's hockey is set back big time and I think those four knew it so the others uh, along with Rebecca Johnson and Kendall Coyne got Renata Fast Canadian national team uh, Brianna Decker from the United States and uh, the two sides Canada and the US are going to be playing in a three game series coming up next month as well so the rivalry continues of course in the uh, united states the defending gold medalist of the olympics yeah that was bad memory yeah absolutely but here we are it's uh six minutes out it's uh eight minutes after six o'clock on a tuesday evening we do have uh some hockey tonight the uh nhl schedule a little light this week like it was last week uh, after uh, tuesday with uh, some teams having the bye week uh, before the All-Star break. And now, like the Oilers, teams have the bye week after the All-Star game. And as I mentioned, the Oilers will be back in action on uh, Saturday afternoon. But we got some uh, action tonight. Boston Bruins with a 2-1 lead on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Patrice Bergeron is 15th. David Pasternak, 28th goal of the season. On the power play, Josh Morrissey has scored a power play goal for the Jets, his second or sorry, his sixth of the season. Buffalo Sabres, a 4-2 lead on the Columbus Blue Jackets early in the second period. You got Evan Rodriguez with his sixth, Sam Reinhardt his 12th, Tage Thompson with his seventh, and Jeff Skinner scores his 31st of the season. Pierre-Luc Dubois scores his 18th, and Nick Foligno his 13th goal of the season. That on the power play. Uh, the goals for the Blue Jackets in the final game of the night. The Flyers are looking for their fifth straight win. They're up one nothing late in the first period on the New York Rangers. Oscar Lindblom, his sixth goal of the season for the Philadelphia Flyers. Carter Hart picked up a win last night against the Winnipeg Jets in a 3-1 victory. The Edmonton Oil Kings are in action tonight at Rogers Place. They're taking on the Brandon Wheat Kings, and that game time will be at 7 o'clock. 
There you go. Well, it's nice to uh, have uh, the producer of uh, Oilers now here on 630 Chad with uh, Bob Stoffer. You can hear that from uh, noon until 2. Uh, Brennan Escott uh, does a lot of work for us from our 630, in our 630 Chad Sports Department. Brennan, thanks for hanging around. It's a pleasure to be here, Dave. <laughs> I'm super excited to make my debut on Inside Sports. Well, it's been long overdue, my friend. Long overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been around since, uh, what, beginning of September, right? Yeah, that's right. So you're almost upon your, close to your six-month anniversary here at Chad, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Eh, it's uh, months, dates, who cares? But anyway, <laughs> uh, the date is uh, January the 29th, and we're still trudging through this Oilers bye week. Uh, it's been a, you know, probably for the team it's good, but I know for us it's, uh, you know, your host stuck around, mine left, so I'm that's why I'm in this chair t- tonight uh, again until tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting week, uh, you know, kind of. Kind of coasted along here as best we can. That's right. And it's, you know, it's fortunate that there was the all-star game and especially fortunate the the Oilers had two guys there. So that was a little bit of, you know, news and some fodder to play with. And then the question is always looming and what's the next move for the franchise too. So we can sit here and kind of percolate over that sort of thing. Although nothing to this point. (laughs) Yeah. Something breaks in the next little bit here. We'll see. I think that uh, they were smart to get the managerial change over with right off the bat so they can take this time to mull it over so Mm -hmm. if that's boring for you and i that's not necessarily a bad thing for how the organization is going to move forward right and that's a good point is uh you know and you can make an argument this should have happened earlier but the fact that it was you know a week ago they had 10 days off you might as well have this issue put to bed instead of instead of it hanging over the organization then everyone that's all everyone's going to talk about for for 10 days is mm-hmm. why is Peter Shirelli around why don't they make the move they made the move they move on so there you go exactly and now all of the focus has been on who's going to be the next one and whether that's going to come from within whether that's going to continue to be Keith Gretzky or for that matter what they're going to do in the interim here because the, the reality remains that even though it seems like it's been such a bleak season, they're still within reach of a playoff spot. Yeah. So there still has to be some emphasis put on what can we do this year and not just let's look ahead to the summer. Yeah, and it, it's amazing. The uh, the race at the bottom, we're dubbing it the Turtle Derby. Um, you know, you look at the top, you look at the top of the conference and man, that's where the powerhouses lie. And then you get down to maybe Minnesota and it starts to really get shaky. And then you got what, six, seven teams in there that, and there's only two spots available. Mm -hmm. And you think the Oilers with, can this 10 day break, you got to think it's going to give them a renewed sense of uh, purpose here because it'd be hard to keep grinding and then them keep, you know, they're on a three game losing streak, but I guess the hope is you just kind of wipe that away after you. You uh, you come back and you get ready for Philadelphia. Exactly. And the funny thing, Dave, is we had Mark Spector on uh, on Oilers Now earlier today. Good guy. And just having the aura of of him, and he's somebody so deeply, not uh, necessarily attached to the team, but he's very deeply involved in how the fans feel about everything and, and from the organization too. And to see him today all revived, I can't even imagine how the players <laughs> must feel with, you know, a few extra days just to not have to pay attention to, to all the stuff that swirls around and the negativities. So we'll see. See, because uh, there's been a lot of times where you think the Oilers have had a couple days down to to get it all together, and then it's, they come out sleepy. So hopefully that's not the case on Saturday. So the NHL did a better thing, I think, with the bye weeks. We're joined by Brendan Escott here on 630 Chen Inside Sports, where before, and what, the bye weeks, I think, came about 
three years ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they were all staggered. They're all over the place. And then, you know, a team would come back after five days off. And I think the rules are you have to come back like the day before you play, I, I believe, right? So you got the you got the dead legs. You got to get those legs back. But yeah. you're playing a team that's played, you know, already. And it's the competitive disadvantage, really. Uh, so you got teams that had the bye week before the All-Star game. The Oilers are part of the group that had the bye week after. But they're going to play a team in the Flyers that will play their third game, uh, by or what, third, fourth game by the time they, they get to uh, Philly on Saturday. Yeah. So I'm going, what is that? That's tough. And I think even if they had spaced it out like they did in previous years, you're still going to run into that same problem. What I yeah. do like, just for the sake of the All-Star game, is that to me, guys are going to be more inclined to go knowing that either A, they've just had that week off, or B, they're going to get some time off. So rather than, well, these are the only three days off out of the entire you know season that I'm going to get, now you're starting to see, I think, more commitment from the top end guys. The only one not to show up this year noteworthy was Ovechkin, correct? Right. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, they take the good and the bad. I don't necessarily mind it. And I think, like I said, like it's perfect timing for the Oilers, but also to have Connor and Leon get to experience that, chum it up with the guys around the league, and then get out of Dodge for a while, too. I think that'll do them some big favors. My favorite comment from Leon Dry settle after the 10-4 pounding uh, <laughs> the uh, Pacific Division took from the Central. Man, did John Gibson take a pounding too, especially from the crowd yeah. <laughs> after goal, after goal, That's after tough. goal. Oh man, but Dry Saddle was asked, uh, so what What what'd you see in the in the room uh, in the in the at the halftime? Nothing. <laughs> We said nothing. I thought that was hilarious. So yeah, when, when you're used to having the paint peeled or trying to figure out a plan, it's nice to just sit there and eat a banana and chill out, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we talk about the team being three points out of a playoff spot, jumbled with a, a group of teams that are fighting for, you know, two spots essentially. And you, you have uh, the, the 10-day break. We know the roster is the roster. It's not going to drastically change right now because even though they made the change that with Peter Shrelly out and now Keith Gretzky is the interim tag, what does this team have to do to to uh, to get their game going and 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 what's the right way to play for this team considering the roster if they're if they are going to make the playoffs? In my opinion, they just need to adhere to whatever system is in place for them right now because I think. You're, you're not dealing with a rookie coach. You're dealing with a coach who has the third most wins all time. So mm -hmm. obviously he knows how to get something out of what he's got to work with. Now, uh, as far as bottom six scoring goes, so much of the issue has been the way that I look at this, Dave. Everybody's kind of having a down year at the exact same time, but there's still a lot of hockey left for that to change. Yeah. So if they can get more out of guys like Toby Reeder, who they should be, and guys like Brodziak, and Lucic seems to have found something within himself mm -hmm. to get back on the horse. So rather than looking externally, because that's going to be very difficult to negotiate up until the offseason, I think they need to focus on how do we um, how do we get guys to perform to the level that we brought them here mm -hmm. to. So I think that needs to be the direction rather than, boy, I wish some help was on the way. Because if they bring in, nobody, they can't negotiate with the cap space enough to bring in somebody who's going to be a difference between a second wildcard spot and third place in the Pacific, right? right. They're, they're kind of, in my opinion, locked into where they're going to be. So you're not going to look at a Matt Zuccarello, for example, and say, boy, he'll be the difference. And when you look at the team, and, and we know beyond... Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and the, the unfortunate thing, all three of them can't play together uh, hardly at all. Chase On has had a good year. You don't necessarily need 
you know, six more guys to start scoring. If they had two to three more guys scoring on a consistent basis, they need better goaltending. Clefbaum will help. But if you get contributions maybe from a couple more sources, maybe that's all you need. Yeah, I agree. And that's sort of the point that I'm trying to make is you look at how everybody has had a down year at the same time. Like one or two goals dominates the totals from the bottom six. Like it's not just the odd guy. It's everybody. So to me, just by virtue of that being the case, there has to be a turning point somewhere along the line with at least one or two of these guys where it'll start going in. And you got to think, too, about the shift in culture. There there was a black cloud over this team. Let's not pretend that there wasn't. I don't imagine it was very fun to show up to the rink and try and put in work every day. So yeah. now knowing that not only have has a coach turned over, but now so is the general manager, if the organization is showing a willingness to commit, maybe that's more of a reset button for this team than the break itself. Yeah, and now they're being challenged. It's all in the players now. Yeah. There's no other fingers to point <laughs> to, right? Exactly. If, if that's what was happening. And not saying it was, but, you know, it, it is on the players in that room, no no doubt about it. As we're joined by Brendan Escott from our 630 Chet Sports Department, producer of Inside Sports with Bob Stoffer. You're on 630 Chet Inside Sports. You're also the uh, play-by-play voice of a very fine hockey team, the Alberta Junior Hockey uh, League, uh, the Shore Park Crusaders. I loved having Jeff Wojtka on uh, last yeah. month when I filled in for Reed uh, for one show. Uh, what a year, and continuing. Absolutely it is. They've, they've spent, spun their tires of late, and everybody in the organization would tell you that. They're only, uh, I think, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games mm-hmm. uh, coming out of the winter break. But it's, it's a franchise that historically has kind of been mired in mediocrity. They're never so bad that there's going to be wholesale change, but they also could never slay the beast of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons or the Spruce Grove Saints, who right. are the perennial contenders in the North Division. So there's a lot of buzz in the offseason about the two signings in Carter Savoy, Michael Benning. Uh, I think there's been quite a bit of talk, uh, even on this station now, of these the rookie sensation kids and what they've been able to do in turning this franchise around. Suddenly they're a contender on the backs of two 16-year-olds. So we're looking at right. next year as well and thinking, man, this is a pretty interesting window. So, you know, hockey that's worth coming to see for a $15 ticket. Another Benning kid, eh? Yeah. And Savoy's no, <laughs> don't look don't look past Savoy at all. So exactly, and you know, if if, uh, if his little brother is is going to serve as sort of motivation for Carter, then Carter's only going to get better. As you know, Matt's been talked about as the next one, if you will, being compared to Crosby, and he's only what fourteen or fifteen. So you look at Carter and think if he's performing at this clip, and he's going to get the push by Baby Bro, like, that's a frightening prospect. For, right. uh, for everybody else. Finally, we're, good, we're talking Super Bowl yes. next hour. Uh, you're sitting in front of a Patriots fan, and I know how you feel about who you don't want to win on Sunday, <laughs> but who do you think is going to win, Pats or, or Rams? I think you were looking at arguably V2 premier football minds and and that's remarkable to say for Sean McVay, who's, what, 32 years yeah. old, right? Like, he is incredible. But Belichick, I have a hard time believing he's going to lose two Super Bowls <laughs> in a row. And you just you saw the way that they played in the, what, the AFC Championship game there, and they look pretty insurmountable. So it pains me to say it, Dave, but I am predicting a Patriots win. And that might be the end of the – we say this every year, don't we? <laughs> that might be the end of the dynasty. If they go out on top, that would uh, – I think that's just a, the perfect bow for everything they've done. Oh, Brady says he's not retiring. Well, Brady's yeah. one thing. Gronk looks like a shell of his former self. Can't run anymore. He can't. So no. the, the empire that was might be on its last legs, even if Brady's not. And as a Patriots fan, I know that. 
It's, it's staring me right in the face, man. So, anyway, thank you very much for sticking around. Appreciate it, Brendan. Thanks, Dave. Brendan Escott from our 630 Ched Sports Department, producer of 630 Ched. So, uh, Oilers now with Bob Stoffer. You can hear that from noon until 2 weekdays here right on, uh, on uh, 630 Ched. Uh, I laugh at the text line. <laughs> uh, Super Bowl for a prediction. Rams 44, Pat 16. It's possible. It's possible. But uh, the way the uh, Patriots have been performing in the playoffs, uh, I think they should be able to score more than 16 points. Although it'll be a tougher defense, I think, they're facing compared to the Chiefs. The Rams have a good offense uh, against the Patriots defense that uh, it's kind of average. So there you go. Uh, there was a signing today by the Oilers as they signed defenseman Joel Pearson to a one-year contract extension for the 2019 20 season. Now, he did. Uh, Pearson was under contract and would have been an, a restricted free agent at the end of the season. He's uh, currently playing um, in the Swedish Hockey League for this season, the Vaxjo Lakers, and he has uh, the uh, uh, lead, he's a leading point-getter among defensemen with four goals, 18 assists, 22 points in 35 games, has six penalty minutes, plus two ratings. So um, a lot of people think that he might be right behind Evan Bouchard as their second-best defense prospect. But the Oilers are adding some depth uh, today, or I guess reestablishing their depth, signing uh, Joel Pearson to a one-year contract extension. Looks like he uh, should be in line to make his way to North America next season. All right, 623, there's some uh, hockey action going on tonight. Uh, the Rangers up one, or Flyers up one nothing on the Rangers, and the Sabres up 4-2 on the Jackets, and the Bruins up 2-1 on the Winnipeg Jets. Edmonton Oil Kings in action later on tonight at, at the Rogers Place against the Brandon Wheat Kings at 623. We'll be back in a moment. You can, of course, uh, text into the program at 630-630. H-Song says, only way to salvage the team for the immediate future over the next couple of seasons is to give away overpaid players and shop free agents. Get cap space and spend after those playoff years with hopefully a cup the young guys will be able to fill holes. So, yeah, the uh, whoever is the next general manager of this team, even in the short term... Um, it's going to be a tough task. And I know Bob Nicholson said, we're not in a rebuild. The Oilers have to almost do rebuild-type things to, to right the ship. They've got a lot of contracts that are rich, rich, rich. So that isn't good. Uh, so they got to find a way to, to give themselves some relief here. So so we'll, we will see what happens. News is next from the 630 Chad 24-Hour News Center. When we come back, we'll head to Winnipeg. Uh, an announcement made today that the Kootenai Ice, used to be the Edmonton Ice, are moving to Winnipeg to become the Winnipeg Ice. And joining a saturated hockey market with the Jets and the American Hockey League's Manitoba Moose. And there's probably going to be competition between the AHL and the WHL team in that city. Campbell and for Wilkins, Tuesday evening edition of Inside Sports. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins tonight. And tomorrow, Reed will return on Thursday. NHL on Rogers analyst Kelly Rudy will join Reed on Thursday night. Uh, we were supposed to talk uh, NFL tonight uh, with uh, 
fellow by the name of Chris Raybon. He's a senior editor, NFL analyst for the Action Network, but we've rescheduled that for tomorrow. Uh, he's uh, He'll be live from Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia. Hopefully it's not uh, crazy cold there, but it doesn't compare to what Winnipeg's going through right now. We'll talk about that with Kelly Moore in a moment. But, uh, yeah, a, a big move today announced, and uh, something that was announced or uh, speculated a while ago, but the Kootenai Ice are relocating to Winnipeg for the 2019-20 season. Ice have been playing in Cranbrook since moving to the BC interior from Edmonton in 1998. They won WHL title and Memorial Cup in 02. Also won league titles in 2000 and 2011. So the uh, city of Winnipeg will have major junior hockey back in uh, their cities since uh, first time since 1984. So it's quite the hockey market over there right now. In fact, there's this text that have come in. I don't know. Oh, it's from John. The Moose will be gone soon, Dave. No way they compete with the Jets and the Western Hockey League. Well, let's go to Winnipeg now and uh, welcome aboard a uh, fellow that uh, is a good friend of this show, Kelly Moore from CJOB Sports in Winnipeg. Kelly, thanks for doing this tonight. Not a problem, David. No problem at all. It's a saturated sports market already in uh, in Winnipeg. When you when you count the the fact the the, the bombers and the, and the gold eyes, uh, they draw very well still. Uh, as far as uh, independent baseball is concerned, you got a a new soccer t- uh, league uh, starting up uh, and with a team in Winnipeg. But the hockey market is definitely uh, an interesting. Uh, you know, when you look at it, you got the NHL Jets, you got the Moose with the American Hockey league and now you got the whl with the ice yeah it is the only market dave that has those three levels of hockey uh all uh, <laughs> you know within the uh the confines of the city so to speak so and the, the, the one thing i would say to was it john who you said that said in the text that said the moose will be gone yeah um the, the thing you have to remember is the moose are an entity of true north sports and entertainment right and I, I mean, they still want to draw fans. There's no doubt about it. But the benefits that they get from having the Moose right there far outweigh uh, playing in front of crowds of eight to 10,000. Now, would they like to have that many people? Absolutely they would. But, uh, you know, the way that uh, they've been able to develop prospects, the way that they've been able to transition them, uh, I don't foresee that happening uh, in the near future at all. Well, and that's a good point you make up. So True North owns the AHL team, so they have ties to the to, to the big club, the National Hockey League, uh, Jets. And you look at the Edmonton market, you look at the Calgary market, where NHL teams own the uh, Oil Kings and the Hitmen, respectively. And then you look at Vancouver, the Giants are, I mean, they just have, they have quite a bit of uh, backers that have money that own that team. But that's an interesting point you make up, uh, you make there, because we've seen the model of major centers. It's usually, it usually works best if you have an NHL team own that WHL team, or you got some, you know, you got some owners with some clout and some, some uh, heavy pocketbooks. But this is going to be interesting to see how this team is able to draw in a smaller venue, because I understand they're going to play at uh, University of Manitoba for uh, for the time being. But, yeah, that's an interesting point you make up. So, you know, this is a team that's going to have to compete against an entity that has got quite a bit of backing and that has ties to the Winnipeg Jets as well. Well, and the other thing, too, Dave, is about, you know, and, and this has been going on 
for three or four years now the uh, uh, you know connections uh, between the, the Kootenai ice looking at Winnipeg or Winnipeg looking at the Kootenai ice and and I think True North Sports and Entertainment I know for a fact that they had kicked the tires on the idea of owning a WHL team along the very same lines as Calgary and Edmonton and I'm pretty sure there were a lot of conversations uh, that Mark Chipman and his group had with the Flames and with the Oilers on how that was working out but I think at the end of the day they arrived at the conclusion that if they were going to have uh, a team under their wing then they wanted to have a team where the prospects were theirs and that they weren't just developing talent you know possibly for other teams uh, so you know that, that was the model they chose now the one thing that that uh, you know with the the Kootenai slash now Winnipeg ice uh, they do have uh, people that are involved uh, that have deep pockets they also have you know the cachet of somebody like Mike Keane mm-hmm. who's also involved in the 50 below uh, enterprise so you know they they have the names they have uh, the financial wherewithal and quite frankly I think they're going to need that at least for the, the the first little bit Dave because as you mentioned they're going to play two years at the Wayne arena on the U of M campus and I stand to be corrected but I'm thinking that facility would hold uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 21 2200 right. people right yeah it, I don't think it would be much beyond that uh, and, and that's all they were drawing in in uh, Cranbrook so you know the one the one area though where I think that they'll probably have uh, a greater chance to succeed Dave is with that secondary tier of corporate sponsorship you know the guys that can't quite afford you know the winnipeg jets uh, but they can afford uh, to, uh, you know, to sponsor a Western Hockey League team. So, and and, and there'll certainly be a lot more uh, of of that type of sponsor to choose from than you would have had in Cranbrook. Kelly Moore joins us from uh, CGOB Sports in Winnipeg here on six thirty. Chet Inside Sports talking about the uh, Kootenai Ice moving to uh, Winnipeg uh, and to begin play their next season. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned that that is all that the Kootenai Ice were drawing. And Cranbrook is around that, you know, 1,800 to 2,000, 2,100 range. And, and their capacity for hockey was uh, 4,654. And I know in Edmonton, I mean, their their situation uh, was not ideal. They had to play at the old Agricom, Northlands Agricom. They couldn't get into the to the Coliseum. And the Agricom was just not a good setup for them. Uh, now it's the Edmonton Expo Center. It always seems the venue has been an issue for this team. They're not able to draw. So it does seem like an 1,800 to 2,200 seat setup right now might might pay dividends for this team, especially if they price it right. For, yeah, for sure. The, the, the price point is going to be very significant. And, of course, the other thing too, Dave, is at some point – this team is going to have to start having some success on the ice. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs for the fourth straight year. Uh, you mentioned the last time they won a title was in 2011. So, you know, they're not that far removed uh, from, uh, you know, the ultimate success in the Western Hockey League. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the, all, all the signs pointed to Winnipeg, Dave. I mean, the owner is from Winnipeg. The president and general manager is from Winnipeg. So is the head coach. The chief scout is from Winnipeg. Last year, the 
WHL Bantam draft. Their top two picks were kids from Winnipeg. Right. Uh, you know, so as as much as you know, the Western Hockey League was trying to say, well, nothing has been finalized. I mean. You didn't have to be a Rhodes Scholar to figure this out. I know that for sure because I did. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it works out. And they're definitely, you got to think there's a market for it. It, it. It's in a venue that's away from from that downtown core. So, and I yeah. know it's it's yeah. not the easiest play I, like i'm just thinking about investors group field that it's a it's a difficult place to get to but you know when you have a smaller venue you are dealing with a, a different sort of clientele compared to people going to downtown winnipeg and you don't have to worry about attracting people from downtown winnipeg you don't have to go there it's a it's right. a it's a better option yeah yeah and certainly you know the, the, the one thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to try to schedule around the bombers because let's face it the cfl is a weekend league yeah as is the Western Hockey League primarily, and you're going to have conflicting dates in September and October for sure. And you, you, I don't think you want to be the junior team you know, playing on a Friday night when the Bombers are at home too because then it really will be difficult to get in and out of there. Yeah. But their eventual home is going to be right in the southwest corner of the city. And I kind of like it a little bit to what Vancouver has done moving out to the Langley Arts Center. You right. know, they, they kind of have their own neighborhood, so to speak, uh, even though that it is still part of the lower mainland, and, and that'll be somewhat the case uh, when this 4,400 seat facility is built uh, in time for the fall of 21. That's at least what they're aiming for. So, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, Dave, that's an area of the city that has just absolutely exploded. So it's, if you're going to build a new facility, and if you're going to try to start your own market, that would be the area of the city to do it in. Kelly Moore joins us from CJOB Sports in Winnipeg here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, let's switch gears, talk about the Jets who are in quite the battle in the Central Division with the National Predators right now losing 2-1 uh, to one to the Boston Bruins. So if they lose tonight, I think that's their third straight loss. So, um, well, lately, and you know what, Dave? Yeah. The last time Winnipeg lost three in a row in regulation in the regular season, because, of course, they dropped four in a row to Vegas in the Western Conference Final. But you have to go back almost two years to March of 2017, oh. the last time they dropped three in a row in regulation. Wow. So, you know, there's a long streak that's in jeopardy of... Uh, of uh, you know coming to an end here uh, tonight if they don't come from behind in the third period of this game. So in the short term, uh, what, what do you think is uh, I don't want to say plaguing the Jets. I mean it's only been a two game, could be a three game losing streak, but um, and that's that's uh, you know you go back over the uh, All Star break too because that's when it started. It was before the All Star break, but um, in the short term, uh, what's been going on with the Jets? You think that to to cause this losing streak? Well, I don't think they've been as good defensively as they were earlier in the year. And you know, all of their success, as much as you know, we think of them as this uh, high-flying, highly skilled, and, and very quick hockey team, all of their success is built off of their defense. Mm -hmm. And even in the first period tonight against Boston, Dave, I mean, they, they allowed 28 attempts on net, uh, or sorry, 28 attempts, uh, and, oh. and 20 of them, 
managed to get through to the net. Usually, you know, when you take a look at, at, at uh, scoring uh, uh, shot attempts, rather, you know, it's usually about a 50-50 split. You know, if you've got 28, 14 of them will be on net, 7 will be blocked, and 7 will be missed, That's that type of thing. But 20 out of the 28 Bruins shots managed to get through to Connor Hellebuck. So that tells me that a team is not really playing as tightly uh, defensively as they need to. And, and they didn't in that period, and, and they haven't. Philadelphia had a lot of chances last night. The, the Dallas game, uh, just before they went into their bye week and the All-Star break, Dave, if Connor Hellebuck doesn't stand on his head, yeah. that's a lot worse than a 4-2 hockey game. So I, I think they're, they, they, they've uh, abandoned the, their defense a little bit because they've started to have some problems scoring goals. And, and once they get back to playing defense the way they know they can and and you know every team is missing key members of their personnel and uh, you know certainly not having Dustin Bufflin and Nikolai Ehlers there is has not helped them either uh, but usually they've been a good enough team and a deep enough team to be able to withstand those kind of losses and and as you mentioned it is only two or three losses it's not like they're on a nine or ten game skid. So are we watching for the Jets to see if they can get a Paul Stastny-type player like they did last year to help that second line uh, in this year's uh, trade deadline? Boy, I'll tell you what, Dave, uh, those kind of deals only come around so often. Yeah, you're uh, right. Where you, can, uh, where you can find a player that just fits like a glove and makes such an impact. Uh, I, I personally think that they would probably be better served trying to fill out their defense a little bit. I think once they, once they have all of their, uh, their forwards back, I don't know that they're I, – I think they like the way that they stack up now. Having said that, this has always been a draft and development team, so I don't know that Kevin Dayoff is going to want to part with first round picks in back to back years. And yeah. the only way, you know, the only way you're going to get a player of the caliber of Paul Stastny is if you're willing uh, to give up, uh, you know, uh, the, that, that kind of a draft pick and possibly a prospect as well. And I, I'm not sure that Kevin Dayoff maybe sees the need to get a player that would be the stature of Stastny, but I think he'd certainly be looking at complementary players uh, that could, uh, you know, certainly give him the depth and, and, and be pick-me-up guys when other guys are, are struggling. Yeah, and, you know, every team's needs are different, but when you look at what the Leafs did yesterday in acquiring Jake Muzzin, I mean... It's, they have it, to have help on defense, though, yeah, Dave. Yeah, they that, that is true. Every case is different, so, you you know, they, they, they need to give up a first-round pick. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know if this is a bar-setting kind of deal, but, you know, I think once you get towards the deadline, uh, you know, always that mid, middle point where, you know, we're mid-February and we're 10 days out, that's when the bar seems to be set. And, you know, it's like the first team that deals a first-round pick uh, or even a second-round pick usually sets the bar. Yeah, and... and you know, I don't know. And again, we didn't even know Paul Stastny was available yeah. last year. I mean, that that trade came right out of the blue. And anybody that tells you, oh, yeah, you know, we knew they were talking about it, they're lying, you know, <laughs> through their teeth. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and again, that's that's kind of how Kevin Dayoff rolls. You never, ever know what he's working on. So I would be very averse, Dave, to using never. But uh, I, would, I would also say that if you're going to have to bet money, you'd probably bet money on him not giving up 
those first round picks in back to back years and 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 also I think you look at this club it's a year older yeah. so they're a little bit further on in their development even than they were a year ago and and I think they really believe that they're good enough uh, to roll with the people they have as long as they can find a complimentary player or two you know they they know they're going to have to maybe give up a prospect uh, or two uh, you know from the farm and, and they have the depth to do that uh, but I don't think they're uh, they're going to be uh, giving up a first round pick this year I'll be surprised if they do let's put it that way all right kelly as always appreciate your time tonight uh, big day in winnipeg today as far as uh, hockey news goes so uh yeah really appreciate your time tonight yeah you know from a football perspective too dave very quickly the retirement of matthias goes and that yeah. uh i mean Ouch. he was he was a cfl all-star just coming into his prime so uh yeah it was it was a busy sports day today for sure no no question about it kelly thanks again we'll have you on soon okay you bet, Dave. Take care. Kelly Moore from CJOB Sports in Winnipeg. And uh, you have the Kootenai Ice officially moving to Winnipeg for next season to become the Winnipeg Ice. Uh, the Jets right now down 2-1 to the Boston Bruins after uh, two periods of play. And, yes, uh, Star Center Matthias Gosset announcing his retirement from the CFL. Second overall pick in the 2014 draft. He played 87 career games for the Bombers, started in 64. He was an all-star last season, and if he was going to hit the free agent market, he would definitely be uh, one of the uh, uh, hottest uh, sotly after uh, free agents uh, in the uh, in the league. So, But he's off the board, uh, has an opportunity outside of football. Good for him. Um, definitely a good community guy in Winnipeg as well. And uh, Winnipeg, it was a lot like Edmonton. It's a community-owned team, and... The, the community aspect of the Bombers, like the community aspect of the, of the Eskimos, is a very important part of, uh, of the Bombers like it is for the Eskimos. It is 6.50. We'll be uh, back to wrap-up segment, uh, or hour one of his 6.30 Chet Inside Sports in a moment. Welcome back to the show. Inside Sports brought to you by Furnace Family, your 24-7 furnace repair and furnace replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Scoreboard update. Yes, the Bruins still lead the Jets by a score of 2-1. to one. The Flyers with a one nothing lead over the Rangers midway through the second period. Flyers, if they're able to hang on, and win this game. That'll be their fifth straight win. The Blue Jackets have fought back to tie their game with the Buffalo Sabres at four at the end of the second period. Brandon Dubinsky, power play goal. Uh, no, excuse me, Brandon Dubinsky, his fifth. Cam Atkinson, his 28th goal of the season. And Nick Foligno with his 13th goal of the season. He has the power play goal. Edmonton Oil Kings are in action tonight at Rogers Place at uh, 7 o'clock as they will take on the Brandon Wheat Kings. You can text in at 6.30, 6.30. Lewis says, do the Oilers sit tight and keep Talbot and Koskinen for a playoff run? I'm worried if we trade Talbot and with our luck, Koskinen gets hurt. We have no backup. Talbot's UFA. What we try to get for him? It, it's tricky because I don't know what the market is. And right now, it doesn't look like the market's all that great for Cam Talbot. And if a goaltender or if a team runs into goaltender issues, like there's a goaltender that, you know, there's a team that has injury trouble with their goaltending or not happy with their goaltending, then maybe Talbot's value goes up. But at this point, it doesn't look like Talbot's value is very high at all. And plus, he's got a no-trade clause as well. So, um, you know, he he sets the bar as far as where he wants to go or not go. So, you know, 
Miko Koskinen's going to be the starting goaltender next season. That's pretty much a guarantee, and Cam Talbot's not going to be here. And yeah, there's a chance you lose Cam Talbot for nothing. But at this point, there's no market for him. So you hope, if you're the Oilers, ideally you would have a team that runs into trouble injury-wise or a, a team that struggles with their goaltending and, and is willing to take on Cam Talbot. But yeah, I mean, and if you can't, and the Oilers are in a playoff position or striking distance to one, then yeah, you you probably do keep both because you you never know. But it's clear Koskinen is the number one goaltender because he signed that contract. Uh, J.C. Sherritt yesterday shocked a lot of Eskimo fans by signing with the uh, Calgary Stampeders coaching staff. This text comes in. Uh, any comment on Sherritt signing with the Stamps? Something doesn't add up. Wouldn't the Eskimos want a guy like him? Well, I'm sure they would, but you know, it, it, to me, it's amazing how this is such a controversy. I, I just don't see it. When the Eskimos had their exit meetings the day after their final game of the regular season against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, J.C. Sheridan informs Brock Sunderland, the GM, and head coach Jason Moss, hey, I'm strongly considering retiring, but I don't know yet. So I want to take some time, take it through the holiday season, and see how I, I feel. The Eskimos announced their coaching staff on January 3rd. J.C. Sheridan announces his retirement January 16th. So the timing didn't work. I don't know where the controversy is here. But it's amazing how some Eskimo fans are thinking it's just an egregious move by the Eskimos organization to let J.C. Sheridan go. You have a new football ops cap. You're capped at 11 coaches. The Eskimos had 11 coaches on January 3rd when they announced their coaching staff. J.C. Sherrick could cut his teeth with the arch rivals. It's going to be weird to see him there, but hey, that's just the way it goes. Adam Brills is up next from the 630 Chet 24-Hour News Center. And after 7 o'clock, excited about this, Rebecca Johnson, Canadian national team member, one of four female hockey players that uh, had the invitation to compete at the NHL skills competition last week in San Jose. Man, did they kill it. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.